Let's talk to him. Father, we prayed with the choir. They are part of us. We love that sanctuary choir. And thank you for their choice today. This ancient prayer that becomes as fresh as 2021. We need that vision. It'll change us, we believe. So let us see Jesus right now. We pray in his name. Amen. If Jesus is coming soon, and I believe he is, and if he has left you and me a mission, and I believe he has, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And if that mission is to take a very simple truth to the worlds in which we live, and I believe it is, the maker of all things loves and wants me, then listen, come on, think with me. We have the mission. It's a simple message. Then surely the dissemination of that simple message must be simple and uncomplicated as well. I'm just thinking. As uncomplicated as a poem that once, once took the fancy of this nation once upon a time. The poem isn't even about Jesus. But I kind of think that it is. Let's read that poem together right now. We've never done that together in church. Read a poem. Why not? The New England Historical Society named it one of the most popular poems in America some decades ago. It's called the, the, the Ultimate Poem for the Common Man. And it was written by a Massachusetts librarian named Sam Walter Foss. Title of the poem, The House by the side of the road. Let me put the bibliographical detail right here. You can take a picture of this right now because I wish you would download this poem to your device. You're going to find it a moving poem. Every time I read it, it just stirs me up inside. And I finally have found a chance to share it with you. I've known this poem for years. Having in a collection 101 of the most famous poems. I doubt it's taught in classes here at this avant-garde university, but you'll see. It's a keeper. So if you Google that, it's all over Google. You can download it into your device, and you can pull it out in the middle of the week and just read the five stanzas. It's only five stanzas long, but we're going to read them together right now. There are hermit souls that live withdrawn in the place of their self-content. There are souls like stars that dwell apart in a fellowless firmament. There are pioneer souls that blaze the paths where highways never ran. But let me live by the side of the road and be a friend to man. Let me live in a house by the side of the road where the race of men go by, the men who are good and the men who are bad, as good and as bad as I. I would not sit in the scorner's seat 
nor hurl the cynic's ban. Let me live in a house by the side of the road and be a friend to man. I see from my house by the side of the road, by the side of the highway of life, the man who press with the ardor of hope, the men who are faint with the strife. But I turn not away from their smiles and tears, both parts of an infinite plan. Let me live in a house by the side of the road and be a friend to man. I know there are brook-gladdened meadows ahead and mountains of wearisome height, that the road passes on through the long afternoon and stretches away to the night. And still I rejoice when the travelers rejoice and weep with the strangers that moan nor live in my house by the side of the road like a man who dwells alone. Last stanza, let me live in my house by the side of the road where the race of men go by. They are good, they are bad, they are weak, they are strong, wise, foolish, so am I. And why should I sit in the scorner's seat or hurl the cynic's ban? Now let me live in my house by the side of the road and be a friend to man. Isn't that beautiful? It's a keeper. Every time, as I say, there's, just, there's something that stirs up inside of me. I want to live in a house by the side of the road. I want to be a friend to man. I want to be a friend to woman. I want to be a friend to children. I want to be a friend to the elderly. I want to be a friend to everybody. Just like Jesus, who built his house by the side of the road. You remember this incident. Who could forget it? He and his entourage are walking down the Jericho Road into the great city. I'm happy to tell you the walls were rebuilt sometime in the past, and Jerusalem is a thriving community now. The crowd swirls by that roadside, caught up the joy of its central figure. Nobody notices that on the side of the road, there's a blind beggar, blind Bartimaeus. When you're blind, your hearing is very acute. He can't see a face swirling by. He coughs with the dust that their sandals thoughtlessly kick up. But he can hear and begins to hear a name, and it's repeated again and again, and his heart leaps. It's the name of that miracle worker, this Jesus he's heard about from Nazareth, this Jesus who has raised the dead, this Jesus who has healed the lepers, this Jesus who has given new legs to the lame. I'm just a blind beggar, but maybe me. And so he does what, if you knew this was your, the moment of your lifetime, you'd do as well. He has no idea where this Jesus is, but in his darkness, he's going to cry out at the top of his lungs, Jesus, David, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David. He gets louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people walking by just shush him up. My mother said, never say shut up to anybody. So they didn't say shut up. They just said, hush up. Quiet. Oh, man. Everybody knows blind Bartimaeus. 
This isn't about you. But that was the worst thing to say to a desperate blind man. And you know what he does? He yells even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd swirls by. But Jesus heard him. He always hears you. You're in a crowded room and you cry to him. His ear is tuned only to you. You're in lonely space that is as empty as your heart. His ear is tuned to you. Jesus stops as everybody jostles around him as they halt as well. Who, who is that calling me? I want you to get him. Bring him to me right now. Open your Bible to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 10. We'll pick it right up at that moment. Mark chapter 10. Get to the end of chapter 10. You're going to see the verse. Mark chapter 10. We'll pick it up in verse 49. Jesus stopped. You see that? Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped and said, call him. I heard him. So they, they called to the blind man. Cheer up, old man. On your feet. He's calling you. How do you, how do you suppose Bartimaeus responded? Oh, look at that. Throwing his cloak aside, nothing's going to hold me back now or get him in the way of my legs. He jumped to his feet. And he came to Jesus. Now, you understand, he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know where Jesus is. He just knows that Jesus has called for him. And so he lifts his arms, and two volunteers grab him by the arms, and they move him through the... Excuse me, excuse me. Make wait. Bartimaeus is coming. Move aside. Move, move, move. And when they drop his arms, Bartimaeus concludes he's standing in front of the miracle worker. And Jesus speaks. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Have you ever answered that question? What if Jesus were standing in front of you right now? And he asked you, what is it you want from me? Some of you have been carrying a desperate prayer and plea for years. He asks us because he wants to hear it from us. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. Will you do that? Close your eyes with me. We'll be blind Bartimaeus for this moment. And I want you to imagine that Jesus is standing in front of you, and I'm happy to tell you he is right now. And I want you to hear him ask you, what is it you want me to do? And you know what? This may be our moment of a lifetime. Tell him right now. I'm going to quit talking so that you can. He's waiting. He's asked you, what do you want? Tell him right now. So we have. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked Bartimaeus. And the blind man said, Rabbi, 
I want to see. Don't you want to see? Me too. I don't know. I'd like to see what's ahead in the road in front of me. I'd like to see people as Jesus sees people, don't you? Rabbi, teacher. He turns to where the voice came from. I want to see. Go. I love Jesus. He doesn't mince, mince a whole lot of words. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. And immediately, split second, immediately, Bartimaeus received his sight. And he followed Jesus. What are those last three words? Along the road. Do you know why he followed Jesus along the road? Because that's where Jesus' heart, house was built. Jesus built a house by the side of the road. And Bartimaeus, now like Jesus, will be in the swirl of humanity, looking, listening. There must be somebody that needs to be loved. Wow. And so he followed him along the road, and so must we, because that's where Jesus lives, and that's where the people that Jesus loves lives. And if we want to love on the people that Jesus loves, we've got to live in that same house. It's a very big house by the side of the road. How does that go? Let me live in my house by the side of the road where the race of men go by, they are good, they are bad, they are weak, they are strong, wise, foolish, so am I. In fact, Jesus only gets a few yards down the road. Dr. Luke, who's very careful on chronology, and in this instance particularly, makes sure that we know Bartimaeus and then somebody else who lives in a house by the side of the road. We will, we will move from a blind beggar to a filthy rich tax collector. You know, there's only one place it's told this story, so you have to go from Mark 10 in sequence and go to Luke 19. Find, find Luke 19. The last lines of chapter 18, he's told the story about blind Bartimaeus. But now in Luke 19, verse 1, and it says, Jesus entered. So he was coming towards Jericho when he met Bartimaeus. And now Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. He had to go. He had to go. There's somebody in this city I have to see. Ah, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted, to, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Even with his platform shoes, he can't see. You know, when you sit at eye level, when the choir is singing, you look at their shoes. Don't tell them I, I look. But you know, some of you ladies are really wearing some high stuff. I mean, the oxygen has to be pretty rare for you. But, but even if Zacchaeus had worn your spikes, 
he, would, he, he just couldn't tippy-toe high enough. He could not see. So he scrambles up a tree, dangling precariously, dangerously, I think, over the crowded road. And Jesus comes along. He had to go. He had to go through Jericho. There's a sycamore by the side of the road. And Jesus happens to look up. And there is this tangled mass of humanity dangling. And Jesus can't help but smile as he looks up. He said, let me guess. You're Zacchaeus? I've heard about you. I tell you what, my man, I need you to come down immediately. And that's the word Jesus uses. I need you to come down immediately. You know why? Because I have a dinner invitation to your house, and we, we need to let Mrs. Zacchaeus know right away. And he's, he shimmies back down that tree. Oh, my. So he came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, Pah. He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. Ooh, a real-life sinner. My, my, my. The Jews had a phrase. It was was sort of a slang catch-all to describe prostitutes and tax collectors and other such moral riffraffs, and they, they just referred to them all as tax collectors and sinners. That's what they're doing there. Fortunately, Luke has already alerted his readers to the existence of that phrase and how Jesus relates to that phrase. And if you just turn back two or three pages, you're going to come to Luke 15. Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners, there's that catch-all for the moral riffraff. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. They just loved him. They just loved on him. You know why? Because, because he took the time to love him back. He took the time to treat them like human beings. And they couldn't get enough of it. The way the world treats you these days. But the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law, the clergy, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And whenever I read that line, I like to think of churches that welcome sinners and eat them. And that's not what Jesus did. He didn't eat them. He ate with them. Wow. Desire of Ages actually frames the incredible risk Jesus takes to live in a house by the side of the road for those who are bad and those who are good. And I want you never to forget what you're about to read in Desire of Ages. Put it on the screen for you. The entertainment was given in honor of Jesus. Of course it was. And he did not hesitate. He did not hesitate to accept the courtesy. He well knew that this would give offense to the Pharisaic party and would also compromise him in the eyes of the people. Doesn't he know who she is? Doesn't he know what that man does? Why would he be seen with that person? Why would he invite him into his house? Or they him? But no question of policy could influence his movements. It's an amazing line. Some years ago, there was a camp meeting put on by Kinship. Kinship is an organization for Adventist gays and lesbians. And the word went out. Employees of the church, you don't go. 
It might not have been a printed policy, but it was well understood. I was young then, but I couldn't help admiring the preachers who went anyway. That was Jesus. He went anyway. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. My house is by the side of the road, and they just walked by me. But no question of policy could influence his movements. Keep reading. With him, external distinctions weighed nothing. No matter how tattooed the arm, no matter how short the skirt, no matter how bangled the ears and the digits, no matter what color the skin, or no matter how messed up the life, with him, I want you to catch this word, external, because those are all externals. We, turn, we tend to make internals out of externals, don't we? We tend to major in externals because we think they're internals. They are not internals. They are externals. And they do not define the person with those externals. And if we're ever going to be like Jesus, as a faith community, we're going to have to get over it. Get over it. Anybody who majors in the externals has missed the great internal. With him, external distinctions weighed nothing. That which appealed to Jesus' heart was a soul thirsting for the water of life. How does that poem go? Then why should I sit in the scorner's seat? Picky, picky, picky. I don't like her. I don't like him because he does that. She looks that way. Not around here. You don't come to this church. You'll find another one. Then why should I sit in the scorner's seat or hurl the cynic's ban? You're not allowed around here. You understand that? No, we don't have it in a written policy, but you ought to know better. Why should they know better? They thought this was the church of Christ. Oh, let me live in my house by the side of the road and be a friend to man, to woman, to teen, to young adult, to child, to the elderly. That was Jesus. And it was that, that spirit of friendship that won the man's heart. It worked for Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus stood up. And said to the Lord as he came down from the tree, look, 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 Lord, I'm already under conviction. We are told that he actually heard John the Baptist. The conviction had already been growing in his heart. He needs to change his ways. Look, Lord, Zacchaeus goes on, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him and to the crowd around Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. The cynic's ban had kept him out. The scoffer's seat had laughed him away. Jesus said, no, 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 no. This man is a child of God. That was language for a full-fledged and upstanding member of the faith community. He's in. He's in. He's a son of Abraham. Why? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That is one incredible line, is it not? 
That's the whole reason for the incarnation. That's the whole reason why we sing away in a manger. No crib for a bed. That's why he came. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. What was that last line in Desire of Ages? That which appealed to his heart was a soul thirsting for the water of life. On the Jericho Road, in a house by the side of the road, that's the way he lived. And you get the impression that if he lived that way, those who follow him ought to do the same. Do you get that impression? That's why we build our houses. We must build our houses by the side of the same road. Now, the question begging itself right now is, look at, look at, look at. I live in a dormitory, all right? I live in a house in the community. I work on this campus. I, I work out there. I'm at the clinic. I'm at the hospital. I'm in a factory. I have my own shop. How in the world am I supposed to build a house by the side of the road? One question. Do you have people there? Well, yeah, of course. Good. You're good to go. I want to share with you three simple strategies now, how to build a house by the side of the road. You can jot these down if you wish. Three simple strategies. Here they come. Strategy number one, you want to take the maker of all things, loves and wants me, you want to take this beautiful summation of all universal truth, you want to take that to your little world, wherever your little world is, here it is. Strategy number one, befriend or be a friend to strangers. Befriend or be a friend to strangers. Jesus didn't know who Bartimaeus was. He'd never met Zacchaeus in his life. In fact, hardly, of, hardly any of the stories of Jesus when he's moving down the road where he built his house, hardly any of those stories have people that Jesus has ever met in his life. Jesus was not an extrovert. He was not an introvert. Jesus is Jesus. And he met people and related on that, at that moment to the reality they present. He was a friend of strangers and sinners. And there's no reason why you and I can't be. Be a friend to strangers. Befriend a strangers. Look at, what is this, Proverbs 18, 24. A man must show himself friendly. And guess what, ladies? A woman must show herself friendly. You got to be a friend. Be friendly. In person or online. You got social interaction face-to-face -face or social media interaction keyboard-to-keyboard. -keyboard. It doesn't matter. Just be friendly. Just be friendly. Don't pile on like so many do in social media. Stay off of the piles. Just be a friend. I just finished this week the autobiography of Malcolm X. Finished it on MLK Day. Everybody knows Malcolm X was one of the, one of the uh, most well-known black activists in the 20th century. He eventually became a global ambassador for Islam. He converted to the Islam faith. And imagine my surprise, and I shared this with some of you the other day. Imagine my surprise to read his opinion of Seventh-day Adventists when as a boy, his mother, his mother took him to church outside Lansing, Michigan, to a little Adventist church. These are his words, Malcolm X, as told to Alex Haley, the great writer. 
About this time, my mother began to be visited by some Seventh-day Adventists, misspells it, but it's okay, Alex Haley, at least you wrote it, some, some Seventh-day Adventists who had moved into a house not too far down the road from us. Ooh, another story about roads. They would talk to her for hours at a time and leave booklets and leaflets and magazines for her to read. We began to go with my mother to the Adventist meetings that were held further out in the country. For us children, I know the major attraction was the good food they served. Can I hear it again? For Adventist potlucks. Let me hear a loud amen. I'm, li- I'm, I'm living for this pandemic getting lifted. I'm missing these. Aren't you missing these fellowship dinners? It's one of the great losses of the pandemic. Some of you are saying it's one of the great gains. No, you don't go to the potlucks I go to. All right? All right, keep reading. But he says, listen, we like the food. But I want you to notice this line. This is a young man. He was a young man at the moment. But we listened. We love the food, but we listened too. There were a handful of Negroes from small towns in the area, but I would say it was 99% white people. Mm-hmm. The Adventists felt that we were living at the end of time, that the world was soon coming to an end. But they were the friendliest white people I had ever seen. Amazing, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saves a wretch like you and me. They were the friendliest people I had ever seen. White people. Let me live in my house by the side of the road and be a friend to man. Befriend or be a friend to a stranger. That's what it means to build your house by the side of the road. All right, three simple strategies. That's the first one. Befriend or be a friend to strangers. Here comes strategy number two. Take the initiative. Well, that's not rocket science, but notice, Jesus, last week, Jesus took the initiative with the woman at the well. True or false? It's true. If he had not taken the initiative, she wouldn't have been saved. He took the initiative, starts the conversation, and she keeps it going. Take the initiative. Ditto he did for Zacchaeus. Ditto he does for Bartimaeus. He takes the initiative. And just a moment ago, I'm listening to Hope Malabringo, Brigo. As she's describing homeless projects, she as a student on this university who could say, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm too busy. I have classes. I'm here to, I'm here to, to gain my learning. No. She took the initiative. Their, their needs when you live in a, in a house by the side of the road, their needs swirling by you night and day. She took the initiative. Good for her. Jesus took the initiative. I love this line from the book, Ministry of Healing. Christ's method alone. So here's his method. You want to know how to live in a house by the side of the road? Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. Number one, the Savior mingled with men and women as one who desired their good. I want you to catch this word mingle. So I'm going to put a little red circle around it right now because that's the key word. He mingled among them. When you live in a house by the side of the road, that's what you do. You, you mingle with people. That's what Jesus did. He just mingled. And he's not preaching to them. You understand that? He's mingling with them. He mingled with men and women as one who desired their good. Number two, he showed his sympathy. Hey, I, th- yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that hurts, doesn't it? I can see how that would hurt very bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, he showed his sympathy to them. Number three, he ministered to their needs. Find a need and fill it. That's the fastest way to make a friend. Find a need and then fill it. Just do something for them. Number four, he won their confidence. And only then, number five, did he say, yo, I want you to come and follow me. 
follow me. I want to tell you something. You who live in 2021, who have been given this plethora of social media avenues, do you know what? I don't care if you're a student or a faculty or a community member, and I have some retiree friends in this community who are a lot older than you who are on social media. That's where people are today. That's where you build your house by the side of the road. You mingle among the people you meet in social media. And instead of, instead of waiting for people to comment on your posts and your picture, why don't you comment on theirs? You're always waiting for somebody to say something about nice to you. Why don't you say, just you be an ambassador to say something nice about the people you meet, some of the people you never met in your life. But there they are swirling beside your house by the side of the road in social media. Take, take the initiative. Thoughtful post of a stranger. You said, you know what? I'm not going to just read that. I'm going to write her back. I'm going to write him back. You know what? That was, that was brilliant of you. I, the way some people are talking today, that took a little bit of chutzpah to, to make that comment. But I'm proud of you. You never know. You mingle among people. doesn't mean everybody becomes your best friend. They didn't for Jesus. But he mingled among them. He mingled among us. I think of you faculty who have electronic contacts with people in your own discipline all over this world, I suppose. You have a reputation, and so do some of these people that you know have a reputation, rather well-known in the circles where you and they move. I'm thinking about you especially. Don't minimize the influence you have, or the effectiveness of a social media connection with one you consider well-known. Well, you know, you're not going to have time for me. I'll just blow this by. I'll just... No, don't do that. You have no idea why you've been set up with that little tiny connect. Take advantage of it. You have nothing to lose. And maybe Jesus has everything to gain through you. I think a professor... Professor... Clyde Staples Lewis, C.S. Lewis. Yep. He carried on a social media, but they didn't have social media back then. He carried on a snail mail correspondence. That was the equivalent of social media across the pond. An American lady living in Illinois wrote him a letter, asked him a question. He didn't just blow the question aside. He took the time to longhand the answer out. He sent it back to her. A few months, weeks, months, whatever, she says, hey, I need to ask you something else. She sends a letter back to him. He sits down one day and answers that letter. They never met, but they had this transatlantic correspondence. All it took was a little lady in Illinois who reached out to somebody very famous and wrote him a letter. Wow. You don't have to be anybody. You'd be surprised how people are impressed when somebody like you has a, has a chutzpah to send a letter to them. Come on, students. You've been given some great textbooks in your classes. I know you have. What if you wrote a letter to the, to the author of one of those books? They don't just send an email because the publisher will give you an email. You have to send it to the publisher, but he'll get it. She'll get it. The author. Blow them out of the water. There's a kid in southwestern Michigan just wanted to tell you that I really was, I was intrigued by your perspective on that's all you have to do. You're just mingling, that's all. If he never writes back, who cares? You're not, a, you're not an autograph hunter. You're just a friend to strangers. And you're taking the initiative. You get the point? You're taking the initiative. 
with your bright mind and your sensitive heart faculty, might I say that you could make a connection somebody besides you has been hoping someone would make with that well-known figure. Let me live in a house by the side of the road and be a friend to man, just like Jesus. Take the initiative and be that friend. All right. There are only three of these, so here comes number three. Share your capital F friend, okay? Be a friend to strangers. Take the initiative. Number three, share your friend. Why? Because the maker of all things loves and wants me. That's why. And if you believe the maker of all things loves and wants you, then you've got to believe that he loves and wants the people that you know. And so you're going to find a way to share somewhere along the way, and the Spirit will have to prompt you. You, you may not just blurt it out. I got texts from, from uh, across the country last Sabbath, at, right after second service. Hey, and one person sent me. I've already made it up, and I've posted on my, so, my social media. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Look, at it. it's, it's not rocket science. To be like Jesus is the most simple strategy there is. You just share your friend. The Spirit will tell you when. Random acts of kindness, sure. Simple expressions of compassion, but of course, genuine deeds of love. Why not? Some people are impressed by love, your love, that you will never know have been so impressed. I want to go back to that uh, moment with C.S. Lewis. Because somewhere along the way in this transatlantic conversation, the woman asked him a question about Seventh-day Adventists. How do I know? Because uh, after both of them died, the family of the woman took all of C.S. Lewis's letters and got permission to publish them. You can get them in a book called Letters to an American Lady. All right? So that's how I know. I don't know what experience she had with an Adventist. It doesn't say, because we don't have her correspondence. We only have Lewis answering her. But he writes back. He writes back on October 26, 1962, from Cambridge University, Magdalene College, this brilliant Englishman, world-renowned apologist for Christianity, writes back to Mary because that's her name. I'm going to quote the letter to you now from the book. Dear Mary, later in the letter, what you say about seven-day Adventists. By the way, I like that mistake. You know what? Why are we Adventists only one day of the week? You're Seventh-day Adventist. No, we're Seventh-day Adventists. He's right. We should be Adventists the whole week long. Do you understand that? Milton, you got it. You're nodding your head. That's right. Two of us got it. Dear Mary, what you say about Seventh-day Adventists interests me extremely. If they have so much charity, an old word for, what's the word for? Love. If they have so much charity... There must be something very right about them. Yours, Jack. Now, you write long enough, you're, you're on a first-name basis. Isn't that amazing? Did you get that last line? You missed it. If they have, these Adventists, so much love, there must be something very right about them. Somewhere along the way, I remember a line that goes like this, the last rays of mercy. Maybe you haven't heard this line. The last rays of merciful light. The last message of mercy to be given to the world. 
will be a revelation of God's character of love. And here you thought that to make that come true, you're going to have to preach a sermon someday on the love of God. Wrong. Not to reach C.S. Lewis and his type. No. All you have to do is live in a house by the side of the road and be a friend of man for Jesus. Amen. Well, I could use another amen from you. Let me do that again. Amen. Amen. The Connect card, pmchurch.org slash connect. How can I respond to this? Let me give you, let me humbly suggest some ways. My next step today is I want to live in a house by the side of the road and be a friend to all for Jesus. Me too. I'm putting a check mark there right now. Box number two, I'm going to ask God to help me connect with someone for Jesus on social media. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, help me to connect. You're going to connect with a whole lot of people that you're thinking, well, I'm never going to hear about. Don't worry about it. It's not about hearing back. It's about being heard. You just shoot that, that, that response to their, to their post or that picture. Come on. You can do that. Box number three, I would like to give my life to Christ and be baptized. Every time we put this up, somebody makes a decision. I'm amazed. Maybe it's you that's been waiting. But there's something compelling about this picture of Jesus who lives in a house by the side of the road, and you'd be willing to give your life to someone who has that value. And maybe he could teach you how to live the same way. Put a check mark there. Make sure we have your email address. And we'll be in touch electronically. In box number four, please send me an ebook version of Desire of Ages. You're hearing a lot of Desire of Ages when you don't know that you're hearing it in this little uh, series. If you'd like a copy of that book, an ebook, just let us know. Make sure we have an e- email address, then you'll have it on your device. Try to read from it every week. Let's pray. Oh, God, we've overcomplicated it. We've, we've finally gotten that we can simplify the message. The maker of all things loves and wants us. So now we're realizing we can simplify the methodology. Just swirl and mingle with people by the side of the road, wherever the road of life takes us. And so, dear God, take our hearts take our lives and have at it so that we too might be a friend of man and woman. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.